It's the Go Gopher Podcast with Mike Grimm, episode number 74. I am Mike Grimm, voice of the Golden Gophers, and welcome back to the podcast. We have a great one for you this week as we get to talk with the great Daryl Thompson. He's one of our all-time favorites and one of our great friends here in gold country. DT's in the midst of driving through the southeast U.S. on the Hot Rod Power Tour. And he'll tell us all about his love of classic muscle cars and what's happening on this tour. We'll also talk with Gopher recruiting expert Ryan Burns from Gopher Illustrated. He'll give us a recap of the summer splash weekend from last weekend and get us a summertime fix of Gopher football recruiting news. I'm not lying. It'll all be worth a listen. Our Go Gopher podcast is presented by alumni-owned Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're a business founder planning to exit your business, start by contacting Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. Sunbelt serves more businesses up to $5 million in revenue than anyone, and True North M&A serves companies with revenues up to $150 million. You can get a confidential, no-cost, no-obligation business valuation started today. Make the most of your life's work. Visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today. We're thrilled to be connected to this great company dedicated to servant leadership. We're also glad to have Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union with us here on the Go Gopher podcast. Affinity Plus is your local credit union throughout the entire state of Minnesota. Find out more at affinityplus.org slash go gophers. They have a top-ranked mobile app, so check that out as well. Affinity Plus is one of the very best Golden Gopher supporters. Our podcast podcast is also sponsored by State Farm Agent Tony Hoagland at ChamplinInsurance.com. Tony is a big Gopher fan. We're podcasting episode 74 from the Aquarius Home Services studio. We invite you to subscribe to the Go Gopher podcast. It's free to click that subscribe button and free to listen at any time. You can also go back and listen to past podcasts. We'd encourage you to do so. Last week, for example, we featured a great in-depth conversation with Gopher coaching legend Hugh McCutcheon. We invite you to go back and listen if you you missed it. Lots of great stuff on his pivot from coaching to administration, on his coaching philosophy, and on his new book about coaching and sports. This week, though, it's episode 74, and we'll talk Gopher football recruiting with Ryan Burns from Gopher Illustrated later on. Right now, though, let's catch up with one of the all-time great human beings on the face of the earth. Daryl Thompson joins us from the southeast on the Go Gopher podcast. Episode number 74 of the Go Gopher podcast, and I have a feeling this is going to be one of our more fun segments we've ever done as we're now well into uh, year two now of the podcast. And our very good friend, Daryl Thompson, the second all-time leading rusher now in Gopher history uh, behind Muhammad Ibrahim and my partner every Saturday in the fall in the Gopher Radio Network booth. And um, he is on the road. First of all, DT, as always, we appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us on the podcast no absolutely it's uh it's fun to take a little bit of a breather here and, and talk to you this morning all right so as we tape this this is a wednesday morning uh it's about 6 a.m central time a little after 7 a.m east coast time and the reason i bring that up is you are nearing the east coast let everybody know what you are in the midst of doing right now mike i am um, i have a classic car of a 1970 camaro that i've um had work done on over the years i don't do the work but I, I love my car and i've always wanted to go on the hot rod power tour i read about it i read hot rod magazine cover to cover every single time it comes to my house for probably over 30 years so it's been on my uh, i wouldn't even call it a bucket list it's just been something i wanted to do so i finally got my car ready enough for what i thought was ready enough to go on this tour and now i'm here so i drove 
with a couple friends from Minneapolis, 1200 miles to get here in the car, not really air conditioned. And it's a stick shift and it does not have cruise control. So you have to uh, focus a little bit more on the road when you're driving a, uh, one of our cars or a classic car versus a, uh, the modern, the cruise, the air, um, Bluetooth, but it's been right? Bluetooth, all that type of stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot going on in a classic that's not going on in a, or not going on actually in a classic that's going on in our regular cars we have nowadays. Holy cow. That sounds like an absolute blast, even though it might be a little warm driving through the South. So you left Minneapolis early in the week and you're where now in South Carolina? Uh, I left Minneapolis on Saturday morning because we had to get to um, Atlanta. That's where it started. So it started in Atlanta and then we drove to um south carolina and then we go farther into south carolina and we go north carolina and then we finish in bristol tennessee and then we'll um then we'll take the uh, the wonderful drive home where we i think we shaved off like an hour and from tennessee uh, versus atlanta so it'll be a good it'll be a good drive home too on friday afternoon so this hot rod tour how many other hot rods are you cruising along the uh, freeways and byways and county roads of the great southeast i would say there's about six or seven thousand cars here i mean there's a lot of people a lot of vendors and a lot i sent you some pictures just about the goodwill so there's a lot of people so i had an issue with my car and the window and literally people came over um two nights last night and then the night before guys i got full tool sets the uh the camaraderie and the goodwill of these uh of the other people that have cars uh like mine has been um phenomenal it's just been it's been great so you have a 1970 Camaro. Is it an is it the original motor still, or do you have a new motor in it? No, it's got a new motor in it. It's like a, it's got a, it's it's got a, they call it like a crate motor, 350 high performance motor. So it's it's been I've updated some stuff. I mean, it does actually have Bluetooth in it. But that's about the only thing that it's got. <laughs> so at least I can kind of listen to music. Can't really talk on the phone that well because it's it's a stick shift and you got to work a little bit too much to, to do that type of stuff. So um. But it's uh, yeah, it's 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 work, but it's also like a labor of love too. Like you, it's just it's good people, it's a good time, and it's also probably the first true vacation I've taken uh, by myself in about twenty years. So it's um, I'm not a, I like fishing, I like I don't know about hunting that much, but I like doing other things. But this is uh, seven days and maybe not quite as relaxing as I thought it would be, but it's uh, it is a lot of fun. It does sound like an absolute ball. So uh, describe for our uh, podcast listeners your 1970 Camaro. What's it look like? I have a blue 1970. They call it a full bumper Camaro, and um, it's been restored. They might call it a resto mod because I have like kind of modern wheels and brakes and suspension on it. It makes it a little bit easier and safer to drive. And it's uh, I think I said it's a five-speed, so it's got overdrive, so it helps on the highway. And then I've I put um, it's got new Recaro seats in it, so at least it's a little bit more comfortable and stable to drive. And I also put a regular seat belt. I mean, we had the lap belts on there when we were kids, so at least it's got a shoulder harness and some other things. So it's a little bit, um, it's a fun car, and um, it's blue and it's got silver stripes um, going over the over the cross of the the middle of it. But it's been, uh, it's good. It's uh, I've, and I've had it. I bought it. I bought it from a teammate. I bought it from Bryce Pop probably 30 years ago or 32 years ago in the locker room. He was kind of wanted to do something different, and I didn't really pay a lot for it. But he said eventually, if you pay, you know, you bring the cash in, I'll give it to you. Um, then give it to me. You sell it to me, and then that was it. So he is. He's actually supposed to be here with me, but he had a wedding with his uh, his daughters getting married. So he's. Um, we just text him to give him a hard time and send him pictures and. <laughs> 
videos and stuff like that. So hopefully we'll get uh, Bryce out and on the uh, on the tour next year. Yeah. So this is your Packers teammate Bryce Pop, the former Northern Iowa guy. He was actually with PJ in year one as a defensive ta- uh, defensive line coach with with the Gophers, and I know you guys have had that friendship uh, since way back when the Packers. So about what year was this? Uh, and so you're just doing some negotiation in the Packer locker room at Lambeau Field. <laughs> yeah, we were. We were doing some negotiation, typical guys. And uh, we're both uh, – I'm. he's a more of a motorhead. He does more of the work. I like cars. I can do a little bit of work. I can oil and fluids and maybe air filters and stuff, but I can't do any real, as they'd say, wrenching on your uh, vehicle. But Bryce does and can, but we always have – talked about cars and he wanted he had a chevelle that he wanted to do more with and he had this camaro and i said well i i kind of i wouldn't mind having it but i don't really want it that bad but you know i think i was lucky enough to kind of play it off a little bit and uh he um ended up eventually selling it to me after a couple weeks of negotiation and then i started the the work on it you know at least with the some people down in wisconsin and then i got it here and then it sat for a long time because my kids are athletic and they had all these events and i couldn't you know, fit and feel good about putting, you know, five or 600 bucks or a thousand bucks into my car when I had a basketball tournament, a volleyball tournament, a seven on seven tournament. So as my, all our kids got into school, I had a little bit more time and I could use my own discretionary income a little bit more for what I wanted to, to do. Uh, and, and my wife wanted to do versus, uh, our kids, um, which is always the ultimate and the you know super worthwhile sacrifice. Yeah. So you've got this 1970 Camaro. Uh, you mentioned is it? A, did you say it's a five speed or a four speed? It's a five speed. So it has overdrive because we definitely use it. I mean, I when coming down here, we're probably going, I don't know, 70, 75, sometimes 80. You know, down the highway, it kind of settles down and just runs down the highway. So it's been, it's been good. It's been, uh, it's been, it's been a, it's been a fun. It's been an interesting. Uh, it's been an interesting, I'd say almost five. Ever since last Saturday, I've been I've been on the road, either in a hotel. I stayed at one other teammate's house in Atlanta for two nights because he was here. Bruce Holmes, a former linebacker um, and a commissioner here in uh, not here in Atlanta, uh, he put me up for a couple nights. I told him I was going. He says well, you're not getting a Airbnb or hotel. You're going to stay at my house. So. I stayed at his house for a couple nights, so it's been a little mini reunion tour um, as well. Now I'm in the South, and I'm in Ricky Foggy's home state of uh, oh yeah, South Carolina. He told me he'd be here in a couple weeks, so he's not here. But I see Rick enough back around home, so that's uh, that's fine. Yeah, I saw Rick tweeting out. He was, I think, on the golf course the other day with some guys, and um, always uh, fun to, to catch up with him. All right, now, um, not, not that we necessarily promote this type of behavior, but if you're, say, out on a county road DT, and you and you drop the hammer and you get it into that overdrive. How 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 quick can we get this uh, nineteen seventy blue Camaro going down the uh, down the roadway? Uh, I don't know exactly. It's pretty quick. It's not you know it's a, it's it's got a high performance motor and it's got you know the headers and uh, you know the big uh, carburetor. But I mean it'll it'll easily you know I don't know how fast it would go. I mean probably it's you know 100, 110, 120 miles per hour, but. That's not really my thing anymore. It's more just kind of a, it's a fun car. Sounds good. Looks good. I have a good time in it. So I don't, I don't have like a, a quarter time on or anything like that. that. And that's a little hard on it. Harder than I want to be on it yeah. to s- slamming through the gears going through a quarter mile. Although there are people here doing that every day they have activity. So they there's drag racing. There's kind of like they call it like track racing where you just kind of go around cones and stuff like that. So every day there's a whole bunch of different activities besides the cruise. But the cruise is really the main thing, which has been fun to go through little towns and, you know, kids are out there, you know, waving. And there's a 
parade of cars that's going by. So it's been, um, it's been a lot of fun so far. The last, or at least the first two days have been. Yeah, man, it really does sound like it. That's why I thought it'd be fun to have you on and, and get the uh, lay of the land on, on, on this week long, uh, track that you're making, uh, in, in your, in your car. So you mentioned you've, you've been a subscriber to hot rod magazine. Um, when did the, uh, when did the, uh, I'm a little like you in that I'm, I'm kind of a gearhead too. Like I'll sit down and watch a NASCAR race. As you know, we've talked about this in the past. My uh, yeah. dad and my brother and I would go to a race almost every year for the last 20, 25 years you know we'd go to michigan or chicago or or uh, we went to bristol we went to darlington and and i like it I, I i like the sound of the engines i like the rumble and we'd get into the pits in some cases uh st louis when we lived there had a track and even the nhra guys they'd come in and then when they take off it sounds like a bomb goes off right so i'm a little like you in that i i couldn't i, I couldn't even change the oil of a car though i wouldn't know where to find a spark plug or anything else but i love the I just love the sound of the motor, the smell of the burning rubber, the whole thing. Uh, you're a little more advanced. I'm not a Hot Rod magazine subscriber, but uh, where did the uh, where did that come from for you that that you kind of took a liking to to these uh, old classic cars and these hot rods? Well, my dad he had, he had um, you know he liked cars when I was a kid, and also um, I had a neighbor that had a he worked on cars, so it was always just kind of around. And then I think as you get older, you just you see cars and um, you like cars, and I just always liked, you know, um, kind of hot rods and muscle cars. Muscle cars is probably my my favorite, you know, genre. So I just kind of came from being a kid and, um, you know, liking cars and liking. Similar to you, I just like the I like the sound and the and the hum and the uh, the exhilaration of. Uh, I don't I don't want to race and rip around everything like I did when I was a kid, but uh, I still enjoy just um just being around and it's a good time and it's a, a good community of people now as you look around do you have some favorite cars that you've seen on this uh, hot rod tour as well that you look at and say holy cow that is a that's a dandy right there you know what mike the list just goes on and on from like uh, classics or college like uh, there's some there's some cadillacs there's chevelles there's camaros there's just like almost everything you could imagine that um uh, you know, and you bet 6,000 people and people came. I thought we were long haulers were coming. They call a long hauler someone who does the whole trip, yeah, not just like one leg of it. And then to get here, we did a long haul. We drove 1,200 miles to get to the beginning of the, of this um, this tour. And then I met a guy that came from Germany, bought a car with it. He and his wife bought a car in Canada, drove their car they bought from Canada here, and they're doing the, the tour. So there's people like, you know, and that's, I don't know, they drove like, 1600 miles to drive this i don't know we're going to drive about you know 800 miles over the course of these um you know five or six days and people you know but people come from every i've seen license plates from you know florida arizona california obviously you know georgia tennessee and everything else but you know minnesota wisconsin there's license plates from every everywhere so it's uh it's quite a um, it's quite an event more than I more than I imagined it was. Yeah, I mean, it just it really does sound good. And uh, how many? So you got this is an eight hundred mile trek, but but that doesn't count, right? The uh, the miles to Atlanta and then back from Tennessee. So what do you think the total mileage you'll put on the car here in this seven or so day stretch? Probably more than I've ever put on it, even since I bought it. Almost, I mean, almost probably thirty two hundred miles in the course of this uh, from Saturday to Saturday because we're gonna wrap up on friday and then we're going to start heading back and try to get you know at least four hours or so and then we'll 
probably do a big drive on Saturday um, and then try to finish up maybe a little bit on Sunday morning. So it's uh, it's a uh, it's it's a lot of miles. Yeah. And then is there through this, I know some of these things like you stop at a town, is there scheduled stops or is it go at your own pace? And then there are some, you know, parties or bands or, you know, tents or things at, at, at some of these stops along the way to, to make it a festive feel as well. There's at, at the beginning, there's like uh, you know, not really a kickoff, but every day at the, there at the beginning, there's a little bit of a kickoff. And then at the end every day, there's, there's vendors, there's people, there's food, they don't really have drinking, which makes sense. You know, you have like people that have been driving all day. You probably don't want to like serve them beer and <laughs> stuff like that and have them all then say, all right, now get to your hotel room. So there's not really like alcohol, but people typically get back to their space. Then they sit out their chairs, they talk, they, you know, and they work on cars. Like guys were helping me out. I had a little trouble with my ignition last night. Guys were fixing that. So um, there's a lot of people. I mean, that's a prime example. Last night, there's I'm traveling with um, one guy who's an electrician and another one who's uh, been a mechanic, and they're working. And then another guy came over and said, "You guys need anything? I have a full tool set." He starts walking over with his tools. I don't know within three minutes of us opening the hood of wow. um, of my of my car. So the the I don't know if it's a brotherhood or if it's the uh, the kindness, the goodness of the will is uh, pretty unique and pretty. Um, and fun, you know, and they fix it. They just like, well, we got this, we got a fuse, we got this. Well, okay, sounds good. Crank it up, boom, car starts. I just did my little check on it this morning, checked it, started it. And I was like, okay, so it's running. They were like, if you need anything, I'll just pop over to your house. I'm staying at an Airbnb. Um, they said, we'll just pop over to Airbnb and we'll start it in the morning. I said, no, nah, hopefully I'll be fine. And I checked it. Everything was working fine this morning. So when we get off here, I'll, I'll jump in the shower and head over to the, the um, start for the day. And we, we're going to go about, I think around 190 to 200 miles today, which is yesterday went like around 230 or 240. So it's um, it gets a little bit smaller every day, which is probably good because people are getting a little worn down. And um, you know, but it's uh, it's an event. Yeah, man, really, it's the hot rod tour. Well, um, are you tweeting any pictures out from the trip or anything? If fans want to, you know, it's funny. I have not. I have not. I have been between like where I should do a little bit more. I've not, I've not done anything because it's just been by time I've been, I drive all day. And then usually I've just been done quite honestly. Yeah. I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's it. I've not done any, I've not done any to eat it. We ate it. I went and had a hamburger and a beer last night. I got to the um, Airbnb and uh, I got in the air conditioning and after driving for almost five and a half or six hours in the car and walking around for two or three and eating, when I turned the TV on, I got an air conditioning. I was just, I was pretty much toast. Wow. So what a, what a, what a week, what a week it sounds like. Um, Hey, uh, enjoy the rest of that tour. I got a couple quick uh, follow-up questions. It was fun to see you at the uh, Gopher radio golf outing last week. I know Boulder options, uh, your great group that, uh, that, that is the mentoring organization for uh, at risk kids uh, here in Minnesota um, had a, also a great golf outing in late May. Tell us uh, the success there. I know you raised a lot of money. We did. It was one of our uh, better events we've ever had as far as a golf tournament. And this year we're celebrating 30 years of Boulder Options. So there's a lot going on with us this year. Um, you know, we've got kind of created a booster club, a monthly giving program for the long-term sustainability of our organization. But the, our golf tournament raised, um, I want to say, a little over $90,000 this wow. year, which is um, so really good, excited about it, had a lot of fun. Uh, we've been out at Legends for the last couple of years, and they've treated us really, really good at Legends. So um, yeah, but the golf tournament was awesome and, um, you know, raising money and awareness for, um, you know, youth here in the, uh, in the twin cities and also in Rochester has been, um, 
something that's near and dear to my heart. This is my 28th year with the organization, and uh, it's the 30th or 30th year of uh, us being in existence, and we've served. Uh, well over 10,000 kids um, in the last, uh, you know, 30 years. So something that uh, we and I are really proud of. I saw a note the other day. Are, is the uh, matching program still going right now, or is the deadline passed on that? Oh, no, we always need more, more mentors. So yeah. anytime someone wants to be mentored, we picked up with been a little bit of a lull. We had a – it was really, really going well um, right to the middle of end of COVID, and it was going strong. And then we, I think, you know, I don't know, people just get busy, but our – Mentor recruitment has picked up in the last couple of months, and we had, I want to say, almost 10, you know, in the last 30 days, which is a, a really, really high number. So hopefully we can continue with that and get our numbers back up to where we'd like to be with the mentors and mentees um, being matched. Yeah, for sure. And uh, give us the uh, webpage if people want to help out either as a mentor or financially. Boulderoptions.org. Boulder does not have a U in it. So, so boulderoptions.org. Right. Thanks. You, you mentioned also in Rochester. I was I spoke at the Rochester Quarterbacks Club on Monday, and your name was brought up a few times. And uh, we were discussing uh, the great Thompson family with your dad and your brother. We talked Pepperdine volleyball just at our table a little bit where your brother played, and we had some fun. And then they told me you're going to be the, the leadoff speaker. I was the finale. This was their final meeting as they go into summer, and then you're going to be their kickoff guy they're the first meeting uh, so we're going to kind of book in the end of the year to the next year so it's always good to be in rochester i know oh it's fun i love rochester really proud of um, um that we're able to have rock uh, boulder options down there as well so it's um it's a fun place in the quarterbacks club that's a that's a classic um old school um you know club with um you know people that are really really passionate about sports in rochester so it's uh it's a great group of people. No doubt. All right. Well, we'll have you back on. We'll talk a little uh, go for football. I know we're hoping uh, to get out to Indianapolis, Indiana late next month for Big Ten Football Media Day, which kind of signals, you know, fall camp not too far around the corner. And um, just just uh, one quick question on that. How excited are you for this 2023 go for football season coming up? I'm really excited. You know, I'm excited about, um, you know, the, you know, the, the team, the almost like the new team, you know, no Tanner Morgan, no Muhammad Ibrahim. I mean, there's been, there's a lot of, um, you know, change and transition. So it'd be, it'd be fun to see what uh, coach Fleck has put together. It feels like we've had some really, really good recruiting. Um, so, I mean, you know, now is when the rubber meets the road. And I think, I think, uh, I think we're going in the right direction, so I'm excited. All right. Well, hey, always great to hear your voice. Uh, I know we'll catch up soon. Safe travels the rest of this Hot Rod Tour. I'm a little jealous because it sounds like you're having a ball out on the road. Oh, we are. We are. I appreciate it, Mike. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. All right. There he is, Daryl Thompson, the great one from the University of Minnesota, one of the all-time greats. He is on the Hot Rod Tour in southeastern USA, and this is episode number 74. That's Gopher great Daryl Thompson. Sounds like he's having a blast. I can't wait to get back into the radio booth with DT this fall for Gopher football. When we come back, we'll get the inside scoop on football recruiting from Ryan Burns of Gopher Illustrated. I'm Clay Geary, walk-on, turn scholarship, wide receiver for Gopher football. And I'm Ben Utek, U of M alumni, Super Bowl champion, and Tony Dungy Uncommon Award winner. We understand championship culture, which is why we're part of the True North family of companies. True North invests in only elite teams, like the champion team at Sunbelt Business Advisors, Minnesota's largest seller of companies. To learn more about True North and our diverse family of independently owned companies, visit truenorthequitypartners.com.
Hi, Gopher fans. Switching is easy. We do it all the time. We switch on lights. We switch TV channels. We switch on the TV. And with the new transfer portal, some college students even switch colleges, which can seem crazy to us diehard fans. But what's not crazy is how you can switch and save with State Farm. In fact, my agency can switch you over so we can start saving today. My team is ready to welcome you to the State Farm neighborhood and show you it is, in fact, easy to switch and save. When you want the real deal, check us out at champlininsurance.com. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Episode number 74 continues, and we're talking Golden Gopher football and specifically recruiting. And the man who covers Gopher recruiting for Gopher Illustrated, Ryan Burns, our buddy Burns, he joins us. Uh, Welcome back to the podcast, sir. I appreciate the invite again. I know it's a a little bit different when I'm not at St. Elmo's here with you, having a nice little cocktail, but we'll be there next month. And uh, I'm sure we'll rehash many of things with your favorite favorite Justin Guard. Yes, indeed. Uh, although I don't think Guards he's able to make Big Ten Media Day this year. He plans some sort of an RV trip with the family. So it, it might just be you and me and maybe Daryl and Guards he's going to be out, uh, you know, driving this high-profile wow. vehicle around someplace maybe. So. Well, I guess we know where his priorities lie, yeah. and as usually they are, not with Gopher football. No no question, no question. Yeah. We, 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 have, uh, we have found that out for sure. Well, Bernsey, uh, with Gopher Illustrated, we wanted to talk about a bunch of stuff. Uh, first and foremost, obviously, Gopher recruiting because uh, that uh, they had a big weekend over the weekend. Summer splash, they've had a few of those now over the years, uh, summer visits, and a lot of teams go through different kinds of themed things. But, man, I'm not sure the Gophers – I'm not sure anybody does it quite like the Gophers do in terms of uh, how they theme it and how they uh, – you know, uh, it, it's kind of uh, one of those things up uh, PJ's alley, isn't it? It is. I mean, I the way they have to do it is the way they do do it because I can't tell you. I've been doing this now 12, 13 years. And the amount of kids that come up from the South, so say Texas, Florida, Georgia, they think Minnesota is just a cold, snowy wasteland 12 months a year. And so when a handful of years ago, the NCAA allowed summer official visits, Minnesota knew that this was going to be the way that they were going to get kids from places they normally don't get kids. They have to show them that as it was last weekend, 80 degrees. It's a beautiful place to be. It's actually warm here. There's greenery. They go to PJ's house on Lake Minnetonka. I mean, they they pull out all the stops for this, and but they have to because, again, everyone from not the Midwest just believes that the Midwest is cold and snowy year-round. So they try to really make sure that really they emphasize that this is not a place where it's cold and snowy year round. And so that's what happens. And you get multiple commitments. Yeah. They have had some success with it for sure. And you know, if, if I was uh, able to uh, be that age and be invited in and get out on Lake Minnetonka on PJ's boat at PJ's house, uh, that, that would be, there'd be some enticement there. I would think, uh, cause that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, there's even some good stories that have come out of it too, where again, we think of, I mean, you and I know probably PJ Fleck better than most so good for us. But you think of, I mean, I heard a story a couple of years ago where his boat broke down on Lake Minnetonka and he's got a couple of parents on the boat and, you know, their kids ended up committing, or at least one of them did. And one of the reasons the parents cited was the boat broke down, but he was calm and cool. And I knew that <laughs> if my son got into some sort of situation, the head coach was going to be calm and cool. So even making the best out of a situation is something that even when there's boat troubles, like I'm sure many people listening to this have had, 
If you just act reasonable during it, even PJ Fleck can somehow spin that into a commitment. Yeah, he he can he can do a lot. There's no doubt, and this has been pretty successful, right, over the years in terms of getting commitments. They got four this past weekend uh, from yep. kids, and is that kind of in line with some of the results they've gotten in previous years with the summer splash? Correct. They had a lot of their commits from this are uh, already big class of 2024. I think they have 19 commitments now. They had seven uncommitted kids. Heading into the visit last weekend, they've already got four of them committed. And so the other three are trying to figure out what they want to do yet. But being able to land over 50% of the uncommitted kids in one weekend is always really good. They're going to have another big weekend coming up here on the 16th where they host more uncommitted guys. So it's something to where Fleck is usually pretty good uh, and has a pretty good hit rate with some of these uncommitted kids and trying to get them in the boat. Because like I said, I mean, historically over the years, this hit rate on this weekend is usually really good. And, you know, one of their big selling points every weekend, especially this past weekend from talking with some of the commits parents was, you know, Flex saying, I don't have to sell you. Go ask our players and they'll tell you exactly how it is. And if that sounds appealing to you, you'll know that it's not just a bunch of, you know, say uh, cliches and whatnot. These kids live in it every single day. And I know that for some of these guys that just committed, that resonated with them when they talked and asked multiple different players, multiple different commits, is this the way it always is? And they said yes. And so when they can find out that I know a lot of people, you know, laugh at the whole row of the boat culture and they think it's a cliche, you know, for these kids, they've been in it a few years, they've been committed to it for a handful of months, they know what it's like. And so for, just for being able to show that the culture here at Minnesota is real really resonates with those guys. So they got four guys into the boat. And again, it's it's important to note because I did see, and you would never do this, but I did see some people tweeting out the Gophers signed four kids over the weekend. And nothing right. nothing's on paper in terms of right. signing. Nothing's official there. These are ver- non-binding verbal commitments. And as we know, sometimes kids will change their mind. Sometimes the school changes their mind. Sometimes stuff happens. But for, for the moment, as you mentioned, there's 19 verbal mm-hmm. commitments. The signing day, uh, number one, comes in December. They you know love to keep this group together, add to it, get the I guess I say twenty five, but nowadays I don't think is there even a limit anymore. I mean we'll we'll talk about that as well because of of how how crazy it is. Um, but they got four kids in um, in, in the boat so to speak with those commitments over the weekend. So I guess I will ask is it, is it twenty five the limit? Is it is that still kind of where they're aiming? No, they took that out here in the last twelve months where you can sign an unlimited number of guys. So you look at something like to an extreme the way Deion Sanders has done it in Colorado, where I think the roster turnover there is somewhere around 60 players. Now you're only got 85 on scholarship, but that's the amount of players that have hit the portal that have, um, you know, then have, they've taken his transfers. They've taken his high school commits. I've never seen something so drastic in one year, but that's the entire reason why that this rule was taken away is so that when a head coach comes in, that they can really do what they want with the roster. Now, again, I think, The Colorado example is very extreme, but for a place like Minnesota, it looks like they're going to be able to sign around 25 guys here in the high school class. Plus, we'll see who transfers out after the fall and then how Minnesota tries to patch their holes through the portal. But just the way that the portal has changed the game, this used to be, you know, the spring wasn't very busy in college football. Well, the spring was as busy as it's ever been. You could argue it, it was as important as it's ever been. And I know that these college coaches, especially going through April and May with spring, 
um, football and then the portal. They were on the road. I mean, this thing is just never ending in college football nowadays. Yeah, you have the portal and 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 then and the spring, and all of a sudden it becomes no no time off. Even if you're away, you probably need the phone if you're a coach, and particularly the head coach and those kind of things. All right, so uh, tell us a little bit about the four kids that uh, that uh, verbaled over the weekend. Yeah, they got a couple kids from the Bronx. Uh, an area I don't know when the last time was really that Minnesota got some kids from New York City, but they got two kids they're really excited about. One's a defensive lineman by the name of Jalen Hicks, and one is a cornerback by the name of Samuel Madu. And you may be asking yourself, what's Minnesota's connection to getting into New York City? Well, uh, new corners coach Nick Monroe has been recruiting that area for a long time. He's got a lot of connections there. And these were two kids that Minnesota targeted early. I'd say they're plan A guys from Minnesota. And they're both able to get them in the boat. You know, I was just talking with Medu's coach last night, uh, someone at Archbishop uh, Stepanak, I believe. He's got three guys in the NFL right now, and he thinks that Medu has a chance to join them potentially. He's a kid from Nigeria, has only played football for a couple years now, and every year he gets better. And he's six foot one, very long. Again, Minnesota needs corners in a bad, bad way, and hopefully he can help Minnesota early in his career. And the other kid, Jalen Hicks. 6'3", very long, has an MMA background, which is always mm. interesting. If I've learned anything about recruiting over the years, Grimmer, every kid is different and every situation is different and every story is different. It's part of the reason why I love recruiting so much. But you just never know what you're going to find. So you got a kid from the Bronx who was an MMA guy, started playing football. And I like guys on the defensive line who have a you know a wrestling background, or in, in this case, an MMA background, where you know they're going to be good with their hands. They can be violent up front. They also got a kid from Iowa by the name of Jacob Simpson, someone that Iowa and Iowa State have not offered, but he had multiple Power 5 offers from places like Missouri, Illinois, Cincinnati, Duke, uh, someone that Minnesota's really excited about there. And then they got a kid from Texas by the name of Mike Gerald. They saw him at one of these satellite camps, which are obviously very big now in the football era. Saw him at a TCU mega camp, offered him. So did Utah and Kansas State, two very good college programs, two very good defensive programs especially in the corner room so i think both of them had corners drafted in the last nfl draft minnesota is able to beat those two schools for him so then we have uh, some of the more bigger whales still out there like wyatt gilmore and emerson mandel two four stars here in the state of minnesota so both of those guys are on visits right now or will be taking visits this week and then it's the waiting game how where where do those two guys stand in terms of uh, final three or five or or where sure. where does it go for for those two guys? Yeah, I just talked to Wyatt Gilmore last night from Rogers, Minnesota. Has offers from everybody. I think he's our number one rated player in the state of Minnesota on twenty four seven Sports. Just came off his Gophers official visit. This was his sixth visit to Minnesota in the last twelve months. Uh, you know, he's getting up there with Quinn Carroll for the number of visits uh, in a recruitment. Now, I'm sure Minnesota fans are thinking, well, I hope this doesn't go the Quinn Carroll route the first time, but obviously Quinn ends up coming back and is now a major contributor for them. um, Wyatt's going to go to Oklahoma this weekend. He's going to go to Oregon on the 23rd, went to Miami on the 2nd. I think think Minnesota's got a shot. I don't know that they're the favorite, but they've definitely put their best foot forward this past weekend. And with Emerson Mandel, he's at Wisconsin right now. He's going to be heading to Iowa State this weekend. I am more optimistic that they land Emerson Mandel than they are Wyatt Gilmore. But I do think that there's a viable shot. I mean, there's a story I could tell you where Minnesota lands both. But it's going to be very important that Fleck uh, continues to close here on those two because as we sit here today, they've got seven of the top nine kids in the state of Minnesota committed. 
but Emerson Mandel and Wyatt Gilmore, obviously two of the top three there. Yeah, another one, one and three, right? I think if I saw Correct. the rankings right. Um, you mentioned that seven of the top nine. Um, I don't recall that happening before. Um, so first of all, have the, has when has there been that kind of success uh, in previous years? And two, how does this Minnesota class stack up? Do you think with some of the other ones in previous years? You know, top to bottom in terms of Division One. Uh, athletes? I think it's an above average year uh, just in terms of power five athletes. It's something to where I don't know that it'll get to the 2016 level where that to me is the barometer year where you had the the Carter Coughlin's, the Kamal Martins, the Thomas Barbers of the world. There are also a couple of offensive linemen like Kaodio Isika. Say that again? Was Tyler in that? Tyler Johnson? Tyler Johnson was in that one. Kaodio Isika went to Buffalo, got into the NFL. Um, there was a, a young man from, I think, Edina who went to Miami of Ohio. Tommy Doyle got a sniff in the NFL as well. I mean, that was a really good class when you looked back on it. I think Amani Hooker was in that class potentially too. But this 2024 class, I think, has as much top-end talent as we've seen kind of recently here that I feel confident in. I mean, you have the Emerson Mandels and the Wyatt Gilmores of the year, but even someone like Coy Parrish. I don't know when the last time was, Grimmer, that northeast Minnesota, so he's from Esco, so just south of Duluth there, produced a, a high-level Division One caliber football player. It's been certainly, I think, the first one in my lifetime, but it's not every day a kid from Esco, Minnesota, gets a Michigan offer or in, in, to pair with Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin. All of them wanted him badly. Uh, he ends up committing to Minnesota. I mean, I think he has a chance to be a special, special safety here at the University of Minnesota. But I think overall it's looking like a pretty good year. Now, I don't know that, like I said, it's going to get to that 2016 level. We won't know for another four years probably. But I think it's an above-average year. And for Fleck to be able to clamp down and actually put up the gates on the borders, because you look across the border at the state of Wisconsin, I think their top three players in our rankings are all committed to Penn State. Mm -hmm. So it's something to where everything ebbs and flows. But why has Minnesota been so successful? I think you've been able to put guys in the NFL. I think you know like I do. They're able to have success in the NFL draft. I think this is the most amount of guys drafted in the last four years since 1988 to 1991. And it also helps that in your last three full seasons of football, you've won nine or more games. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned Nick Monroe as uh, he was a guest on our Go Gopher podcast. I, I think it was maybe a month or so ago. It would have been either right before or after the spring game, so maybe a little more than a month ago. Um, and we joked with him about where he got the nickname the Swag Daddy. But um, <laughs> it seems to me that uh, he is having uh, some impact here on the recruiting trail. You mentioned the two kids from New York City, and I believe even the kid from Texas was was maybe uh, being looked at by him more than, than most. Uh, tell me about the impact he's had. Well, I mean, I, I feel for him because there has been no position room since he took over that's seen the most change because you look at it even from last season. I mean, three of the top four corners from Minnesota from last season are going to be gone into this season. You lose Terrell Smith, becomes an NFL draft pick of the Chicago Bears. Beanie Bishop decides to hit the portal. He's at West Virginia. And then maybe the shocker, Ryan Stapp, just decides to hang up the cleats mid-spring ball. Yeah. And so Minnesota was sitting there with three or four corners for the rest of spring ball, and Nick Monroe had to be looking at himself saying, what did I get myself into? Now, they were able to address some things in the portal with Georgia Southern's Tyler Bride, Elon's uh, Trayvon Jones, both guys who have a lot of experience in college. But to be able to then 
get three corners so far in this uh, 2024 class. We talked about Gerald. We talked about Madhu. But even the kid from Hill Murray by the name of Simon Seidel, uh, someone that Minnesota moved on early, we're able to get him committed. I mean, we're talking about a guy you know hockey like I do in terms of the state of Minnesota hockey. I mean, he is a fantastic hockey player for Hill Murray. Someone that scored two goals in the consolation game in the state tournament. Who was a top? He was on top two lines for a very good Hill Murray team, probably their fastest skater. And that's where that's something Nick Monroe looks for with a lot of these guys is multi-sport, as many college coaches do. Are you good at multiple sports? Because Seidel is would be a really good track kid, really good hockey player. Madhu is one of the best long jumpers in the state of New York, and then Gerald was also a track guy. So. I think what Monroe has done to kind of revamp that room for the amount of transition it's gone through definitely is worth noting. Yeah, I like the multi-sport guys too. You get get those guys in there, and they you know they showcase. You mentioned wrestling and MMA, and whether it's baseball or, or basketball or whatever sports it might be. I think you can also get a gauge. Um, I know some coaches like to watch a guy play basketball just to see how he moves without pads and what the footwork's like, and and certainly those are all evaluation tools. Um, and, and speaking of the, of that, along those lines, um, the kid from Esco is a pretty good basketball player, right? Yeah, he's. I mean, he checks so many boxes. It's why we have him as a four star. Koi Perich uh, scored over twenty points a game the last two seasons for Esco. I mean, you check out the kid's Twitter; he's dunking on kids' heads, <laughs> and you even look at what he did. As a sophomore, just last year at this time, he won the Class A state long jump as a sophomore. Uh, he had a hamstring injury this year that unfortunately took him out of section, so he wasn't able to go to state. But he is a 22-2, 200-meter time, ran in the 10s for 100-meter, would have likely defended his long jump state championship. There's a lot of different metrics to try and look at if you're a college football coach nowadays to say, I think this kid's pretty athletic on the football field. And then for someone like Coy, you can go watch him play basketball. And then, or you can go in the spring, if there's not snow on the ground still up there in Northeast Minnesota, you can go watch him run a 10, 9, 100 meter to kind of verify to yourself, yeah, he looks like a pretty good athlete. But then we look at him in these other sports, and he also checks out there. Yeah, I think it's it's good too when kids compete year round uh, in other sports. One from a competitive nature, but two, um, sometimes you just get repetition. Now, sometimes guys just want to play football, and that's it. Um, I know there's a lot of specialization, particularly in hockey, where you might be hockey only because that becomes kind of a year round sport. But I like it, um, and and then when you look at it too. Um, with this Minnesota class, has has there been a little bit of a shift maybe in the last two recruiting cycles where the Gophers have, have made a push to, to lengthen the offer list amongst Minnesotans where maybe when P.J. first got to town they were offering five or six and now maybe it's nine or ten? I mean, I, I think of cities like Detroit Lakes and Alexandria and others that all of a sudden there are going to be either current Gophers or future Gophers now on the roster. What's your theory there? Well, I just think the state of Minnesota is doing a better job of producing more talent. Now, they've still got a long way to go in terms of compared to someone like Iowa. Uh, you know, Iowa, I think I looked at it over the last four years, has produced 10 more four-stars than Minnesota has. Uh, on average, has five more Power 5 players in a given year. And to me, Grimmer, that doesn't make a ton of sense, considering that I think there's a lot of kids in the state of Minnesota who are you know, big and athletic. I think about the basketball scene, where I think if you could convince – three or four of these D2 or low-level D1 basketball players to play football, we would see more Power 5 football players. But you even look at someone like Daniel Freitag, mm -hmm. who's going to go play 
uh, basketball at Wisconsin. Well, if he wanted to, he could play. He had offers from Minnesota, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, and football. But that's just kind of the way it goes with these Minnesota kids over the years, where they could potentially play uh, high level football, but they would rather go play basketball. So, um, you know, with what and to your point about Fleck maybe taking some more Minnesota kids, I think the theory maybe revolves more around we're in the portal era. There's never been as many kids hitting the portal as there have been in the last 12 months. And so if you're going to put two kids against each other, say one from Minnesota and one from Georgia, and they're in the same tier, you're always now probably going to offer the Minnesota kid because you know that if he's only an hour away from home, five hours away from home, 30 minutes from home, compared to a three-hour flight, there's a much higher likelihood that this kid is going to stick around if he doesn't play in the first couple of years, where if a kid from the Southeast doesn't play in the first couple of years, maybe he wants to put his name in the portal and go play. Yeah. But I think it comes down to, they're not just going to take a guy to take a guy from the state of Minnesota, because that's what gets you in trouble. But I think the sustained success that they've had, like I said, they've won three or they've won nine or more games the last three full seasons. It helps that the state of Minnesota is doing a little bit better in terms of producing that talent. But if you got two guys in the same tier, Fleck has shown, I'm going to take the Minnesota kid. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think that's true. I, I do think too that there there's some healthy push there. If if indeed there is a push, and maybe maybe it's just uh, coincidental. But I, I think when you look at some of the success that these Minnesota kids that only had offers from North Dakota State or South Dakota State, who you know between those two programs now basically they win the you know the uh, FCS deal every year. I mean North Dakota State forever, and now South Dakota State, and even some others that that next group of players and. Those two programs now have put some guys in the NFL. That right. next group of players after the Gophers offer, let's say, eight guys, uh, that there's still another eight more that go to NDSU or SDSU or Northern Iowa or where have you. And out of that group of eight, how many can uh, you know eventually develop? And I'm in favor of, of pushing the envelope there a little bit for a number of reasons. You mentioned Iowa. I grew up in Iowa. I, I believe there's no way – that Iowa, population 3 million, right, Bernsey, can produce double the amount of Division One offerable high-level, I'm talking high-major, uh, yep. scholarship football players than Minnesota, population 5 million. I have a theory on it. My theory is Iowa is a two-power five football state. They have Iowa and Iowa State. And what happens, I've, I've seen this a lot, you have a borderline kid from Ankeny, Iowa. He he shows up at Iowa State's camp, and he's pretty good. He shows up at Iowa's camp, and he's pretty good. And finally, one of the two decides to pull the trigger and offer him. Well, immediately, that leads to a second offer. Okay? And now, all of a sudden, you've got Iowa and Iowa State offers. Well, guess what? When that kid tweets that out, Kansas State's now looking. Minnesota's now looking. Like, man, if Iowa and Iowa State are both... Pretty soon, the kid's got six offers in two weeks. Right. And he was borderline... And all of a sudden, you got 17 kids in Iowa with offers, with, with, with high major offers, and Minnesota's sitting here with nine. And you just can't tell me that the math works. I, and I'm not suggesting that the Gophers would be better off with two Division One, you know, high uh, power fives in the, in, in the state of Minnesota. But I do think some pushing would be good because if you look at the history of Iowa and Iowa State, a lot of those kids that stay home, as you mentioned, one, stick around. But two, um, they play with a little extra heartbeat when they're playing for their home state school. They just do. And all of a sudden, you know, they're putting some guys into that into the National Football League. So I, I'm in favor of pushing that envelope a little bit. 
you know, whoever, if you're going to offer nine, um, take a look at who North Dakota State's offering and extend it to 11. Whoever you think their best two or three Minnesota kids that they've offered are that you haven't offered, I'd be in favor of saying, yeah, let, let, let's bring those on board. Because over a course of 10 years, that's 30 kids. Out of those 30 kids, you're going to have some Big Ten players that are Big Ten players. You just are. And some might be all Big Ten players. And North Dakota State's put enough guys in the NFL that you could say, uh, you know, they, they might be NFL players. Anyway, that's a long answer to my explanation as to how that gets pushed in Iowa sometimes when you have two schools, both highly competitive, both want to win recruiting battles. And Iowa State might say, gosh, I don't know if Iowa's going to offer this kid. Let's do it. Let's offer him. And then we got an in-state kid. And then on top of it, now you got a kid in Detroit Lakes that's a gopher. You've been up north fishing. I was in Detroit Lakes like three summers ago. I went out to eat at a at a, at a uh, you know just a local establishment, and there's bison crap hanging everywhere. And God bless the bison, but there should be gopher stuff in a in a in a Minnesota sports bar for God's sakes in the outstate. So I also think it helps. You get a kid from Esco, you get a kid from Alexandria, you get a kid from Detroit Lakes. Um, where's a kid from down by Rochester? The offensive lineman is that uh, Kenyon or someplace? Um, uh, Casson Manorville. Casson, thank you. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, and all of a sudden you get some of these uh, places. Uh, where Where's uh, Tony Nelson from? Uh, Stacy, Tracy, Minnesota. Tracy, Minnesota. One of your favorite places yeah. in Southwest Minnesota. It's, it's, it's great. So all of a sudden you also expand the interest level a little bit. So I think there's benefit to it. Um, anyway, that, that's my side tangent with all. Also, one other thing I would add is you mentioned the Division II basketball players. I heard you talking with uh, JG and Chip about that, and I would expand that to hockey. Um, maybe yep. even I would argue personally that that's even a bigger factor because, as I mentioned earlier, hockey is a sport that really now, if you're good at hockey, they want you to specialize. They don't want you to play football and get hurt. They want you to do fall, um, you know, uh, camps and fall drills and land, uh, you know, land summertime. You do the land, whatever they call it, land only, and that's fine. I, I'm I'm not opposed to that. But when when the state of Minnesota is producing like fifty. 50 Division One hockey scholarship players. Like the Frozen Four last year, there's like 58 Minnesotans in, on the four teams, right? Um, you can't tell me that if some of those kids hadn't just specialized in hockey since seventh grade, that there wouldn't – because the, the, the numbers or the sample sizes are small. You're talking nine kids that Minnesota's offered in the state, and Iowa has, what, 16 or 17 in Iowa. Well, you can't tell me out of those 50 hockey players – that have now mostly specialized, that if they had stuck football out and done both or just stayed with football and been at Iowa where you didn't even, hockey's not even an option, you're just playing football, there'd be another seven or eight out of that 50, I promise you, right? I, I think so. There's big, yeah, tall, I athletic mean, it took kids. Even five or 10% of that 50. Right. Like some six foot two defense, or, you know, yes. defensemen. Yes. And put them on a football field. Maybe you'd have some more linebackers. Maybe you'd have some more defensive ends. Or you think of even someone like Danny Strigow. Someone that was a state champion wrestler. Yeah. Maybe instead of, you know, they're able to convince him to play football, but maybe instead they go off and they play wrestling. You know, I'm with you. Trust me. Or even like back to your North Dakota State one. I mean, there's a reason why Minnesota's now last class. They signed the top kid out of North Dakota, Carter Menz from right. Fargo. They've got the top one committed in Riley Sunroom. Uh, someone who just threw it 60 foot in the shot, which <laughs> is obviously really good for a junior. It's so much tougher for someone like Matt Entz. Uh, up at North Dakota State, or even the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, who just won the national title, the internet has changed that you can't hide these kids like right. you used to 10 years ago, 15 years ago, out in the Dakotas. Every All of their film is online. You just have to find it. Now, it's going to be difficult at times to find these kids in the Dakotas, 
But if you can find them, that's how you're able to get, you know, that's why North Dakota State has had so much success. They get a kid by the name of Cody Mock drafted in the top 100. I mean, how does a kid from nowhere North Dakota go from 230 pounds to then a second round draft pick? Well, it's tough to, to really project that, but I think the world's getting smaller and that's going to help someone like the Minnesota, like a Minnesota, because if you're able to go into the Dakotas and sign a couple of kids a year, or at least the best ones, that's going to help your roster. All right. How does PJ want to finish this class? What, what would you put the target at and what are some target? We talked about specific players, but positionally, where are some uh, places you think he's going to wrap this thing up here in the next, well, you know, through December? Yeah, well, I mean, traditionally, Flex got 95% of his class, I would say, done probably by fall camp, and I think they will again. They've got more kids coming in this weekend, probably somewhere on eight uncommitted guys. Uh, we'll be talking about that at Gopher Illustrated for the next few days. And uh, But I think they want another running back. Um, I think they wouldn't be, they'd be open to another receiver. They need three or four offensive linemen. Um, but I think defensively, you're pretty set outside of maybe another defensive lineman. They feel pretty good about where they're at at linebacker, safety, corner now. But it's getting to fill some things out on the offensive line. They don't have a current commit there right now. They've got a handful of guys that will be coming in this weekend as Brian Callahan tries to uh, get some guys committed there. But they're at 19 commits right now. I think they probably end up somewhere around 24-ish. Mm-hmm. But there's still a handful of spots they've got to close on. I think they'll make room for guys too. Yeah, that was the next question. Um, and sometimes, how, will you leave a spot or two for all of a sudden some senior who splashes that, you know, maybe is behind somebody in one of these big schools? You know, I'm thinking of a Minnetonka at Eden Prairie where kid might be good, but he's, you know, that's a big talent pool there. And all of a sudden as a senior, boom, you splash. And uh, that's a kid that maybe you, you offer. And I don't know if there are any specific cases. I'm just throwing that out as a potential uh, you know, possibility, and it doesn't have to be at a big school someplace, but you, you save a spot or two just in case someone splashes big? Absolutely. I mean, I think the most important data point out there is your senior tape. Now, the junior tape's important, your camp performance is important, your track and basketball things are important, but your senior tape is the most important data point out there. And that's where I've seen those first three, four games of film really change a kid's life. And so Minnesota, especially if they're an in-state kid or they're within 500 miles, uh, they will definitely keep a spot open uh, to try and say, you know, we liked this Minnesota kid, but we wanted to see how he moves now at 285 pounds when last year he was 240. So it's going to be absolutely they'll keep some spots open for that September time period. And then last thing for you as we get close to fall camp, do you have, and because the kids we're talking about now, class of 24, they'll sign in December of 23 or February of 24, and they'll be on the roster in 24 as freshmen. Um, do you foresee any more portal activity before fall camp here in this short period? Uh, I don't. Um, I think most of the guys uh, have moved in by the time people are listening to this, whether it's the 2023 class, whether it's the transfers, uh, that window is kind of closed. Be, there are still a guy or two that hit the portal on a given day, but it's very rare now because everybody's got to be enrolling. You got to figure out where you're going. Uh, so I think portal wise, uh, I think Minnesota's about done, if not completely done. And the next window you'll see is really after that, you know, in that November, December time period. Yeah. Well, very good. Always appreciate it. Uh, GoForIllustrated.com. Uh, do you have any good deals, pennies a day going right now, Burton Z? Yeah, we're actually 60% off right now. So if you want to join as an annual, it's 60% off to $7 savings. Get Paramount Plus at the end of that. Or if you just want to stick your toe in the water, it's $1 for your first 30 days. 
So if you want to see how Minnesota is able to close on the Wyatt Gilmores and the Emerson Mandels of the world, just $1 to get behind the paywall. All right, Gopher Illustrated. And, uh, of course, we appreciate you being on the Go Gopher podcast. You have your hands in, in a couple of others. Tell us how people can listen to those. Yeah, if you want to listen to myself, Justin Gard, uh, the Star Tribune Chip Scoggins, you can put it into your podcast machine, Pair and Spare. We talk about Big Ten football, a lot of uh, other life events. Since I'm 30, Gardsy's 40, and Chip's 50, uh, some different perspectives there. And if you want to get more into the weeds about Gopher football, we have the Gopher Gridiron Radio Podcast, which actually just went over a million downloads, which is in, just incredible to me for uh, a golden gopher football podcast. So if you want to check those two out, put them into your podcast machine. Well, I know that you have other commitments coming up. Otherwise, I'd ask you to pronounce the word milk for me, but I won't do that here uh, to close <laughs> out the uh, the podcast. We'll see you in Indianapolis in late July for Big Ten Football Media Day. Great stuff as always, Bernsey. Appreciate you, Grimmer. All right, there he is, Ryan Burns, gopherillustrated.com. It's episode number 74. All kinds of great intel on gopher football recruiting there from the talented Ryan Burns. I hope you enjoyed hearing from him as much as I did. We also want to thank Daryl Thompson for coming on this week from South Carolina as he's on the Hot Rod Power Tour. The Go Gopher Podcast, Episode 74, is presented by Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're buying or selling a business, visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com. We're also partnered with Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union, a locally member-owned full-service financial invested in you. You can learn more at affinityplus.org slash gogophers. We're also sponsored by State Farm Agent Tony Hoagland. Again, I'd invite you to listen to past podcasts, and please be sure to click the subscribe button of the Go Gopher podcast right now. It's free to listen at any time. And please share the link to the podcast with others so they can subscribe and listen as well. We'll talk again next week.